0: Hello and welcome to the latest instalment of the Shopology Interview Series. Will we be bringing you in-depth interviews with retail practitioners, consultants, academics, and really anybody else that's got something interesting to say and some insights to provide around retail or marketing more generally? I'm Dr. Jason Pallett. I am the co-host of Shopology, and today I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing Beck Golter, the Director of Marketing and Events for the National Retail Association. Welcome back,
1: Beck. Thank you. It's good to be back.
0: Now, last time you and I spoke, which was a couple of episodes ago for us, we were talking about a lockdown in Victoria and we were predicting Christmas uh, trade results. We now have the Christmas results, so we can talk about those. But we've also had another lockdown this time in WA. What a crazy few months. How was your end of year, start of year? How are things for you?
1: Oh, the fun never ends. I think you forgot Greater Brisbane also had a lockdown too, which affected our office. Um, But yes, it has been a very interesting and a very hectic start to the year, uh, particularly with the WA lockdown, which um, was fraught for retailers due to some contradictory information that was actually put out. Um, So The story is that while retail was still allowed to stay open, the classification for an essential worker meant that people could not go to work at those stores. So if you weren't working at a supermarket or if you weren't working at anything that was classified as essential retail, um, then it was illegal for you to be at your workplace. So, you know, we had been putting out some news flashes trying to keep up to date with our members. And we had members starting to call us saying the police have attended, we have been given fines and, you know, what's going on. So, you know, we had to quite urgently call for the Western Australian government to provide the clarity on, on those directions to make sure that our retailers weren't being um, penalised for something that they weren't aware that they were doing was wrong.
0: Yeah, it's it's a crazy situation. You know, and you mentioned the... Um the Brisbane lockdown then you are right. I didn't mention it. I think coming from Victoria, where we had months and months of lockdown, you know, there's a bit yeah, of Yeah, three
1: days. It's yeah, a it's a, bit it's of that a little
0: <laughs> three days, five days, you know, is that really mm-hmm. a lockdown? But as you say though, the disruption that it causes to businesses, right, and particularly retailers who are being asked to immediately change their processes, you know, open or close or be ready for panic buying, all of these kind of things, it it could be a massive impact with only a few days, right?
1: Absolutely. And we're seeing it every single time. The announcement followed 30 minutes later by panic buying, lines out the door, cars out of the car park onto main roads for people trying to stock up for only three days on all of the supplies they needed. Now, granted, in the case of the Brisbane lockdown, it was occurring over a weekend and we know that most people leave their grocery shopping to the weekend um, and stores stock up um, on Friday and Saturday for the weekend shoppers. So that's partly why there were all of the items off the shelves. It wasn't necessarily panic buying, but it was just, I need to get my groceries. But, you know, we see it again and again lockdown comes, the panic buying happens, lockdown lifts and then the crowds fall onto retail and often the stores aren't prepared for this big resurgence so they don't have as many staff on as they need and then there's the added pressure of having to enforce social distancing and make sure that people are signing in and wearing masks which can be difficult at the best of times.
0: You made a really interesting point there of, you know, we know what's going to happen now because we've seen a few different lockdowns. Mm. We've seen the immediate effect. We see the effect afterwards. But it seems like as a somewhat outsider that the, you know, each different state is giving different advice. And as you said earlier, like it doesn't seem to be overly consistent. You know, what's going on there of, of why are we are not, I guess, nationally having a really clear understanding of, what's needed and the advice that's given from government you know what's going on there
1: well we find in a lot of cases these snap lockdown decisions you know they're made very quickly and they are made for the good of the public like obviously we're not going to denigrate anyone and say we shouldn't go into lockdown for the sake of retail it is you know the safety of the members of the Australian public is of paramount importance but there has to be some consultation with industry before you do these things. That way we can point out if there are inconsistencies or contradictions instead of running on the fly. And perhaps now that we have actually experienced, you know, repeated instances of lockdowns throughout various states, we can look to maybe put a plan in place um, of actions that retail needs to take and, you know, some business interruption planning, I suppose. Um, and that would probably be mostly led by retailers, knowing the procedures they've had to undertake and um, and sort of planning ahead and thinking, okay, what do I do if I've given 24 hours notice? What do I do if I'm given 12? Um, it's not ideal, certainly. No lockdown is ideal, but it's the level of resilience that I think we have to adopt going into this COVID world.
0: So is that then I guess the strategy or what you're looking for moving forward, just being, you know, that uh, consultation, having a bit of a thinking ahead, a bit of a strategy around, all right, well, this is what the impacts are. We can understand those. And this is what it would look like if we need to do it immediately, or what would happen if we had two days notice, one day notice, like, is that our best strategy moving forward?
1: You know, I think it might be. It's the situations, uh are. so volatile and they turn on a you know you can you have to turn on a dime um, of course we have been advocating for and calling on the governments to you know let industry associations know when these things happen or have some planning in place but at the same time you know we've lived in this world for over a year now um, and it's probably best that we start thinking how to be robust and resilient and have these plans in place um, to be able to, I mean, you can't turn retail off. It's not a tap, um, but it's about managing and having that plan in place. Um, so you don't panic and, and cause unnecessary stress in the end.
0: Fair enough. So let's talk about some happier news then perhaps, which is that we now have results for, you know, the Christmas period and the now what's arguably an extended Christmas period, which, you know, includes November, uh, You know, we spoke last time about some big predictions that, uh, you know, the NRA made around Christmas shopping, particularly online. We now have the results. So what happened?
1: Oh, boy. We were a couple of billion off. It was actually higher than anticipated, which is wonderful news. It's officially the biggest Christmas period on record. And as we've said previously, we defined the Christmas period as the second half of November um, all the way to the end of December. So that includes Boxing Day, Boxing Day as well. Um, and what we found actually is that sales were stronger in November than they were in December. And that's due to the amazing American import that is Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Uh, I believe we spoke a little bit about this last time.
0: Mm. I, I found this fascinating, right, because I'm just, uh, you know, and I haven't quite thought through it uh, enough or I don't think we know the implications of this necessarily yet, but I think it's it's really a fundamental shift where we're saying, you know, we, we were saying December is going to be the biggest period, but now, as you say, according to the ABS with the seasonally adjusted figures, December was down on November and it was you know, one of the biggest ones ever. It was a massive growth over last year, yet mm-hmm. November was actually a bigger sales month for retail. Do you have any sense or idea of, you know, is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Or is it just, if the industry keeps growing, doesn't matter when in the year it is, let's just get those sales in.
1: Look, it's a bit of a complex one. And There's also some question about what role COVID had to play in this whole thing. Um, You know, we have seen that people haven't been able to travel, so the discretionary spending is happening in the stores instead of overseas. Um, It's definitely shown that the Christmas shopping period is extended. It's coming earlier. I think people are very bargain savvy. um, I know I personally was shopping for Christmas presents during Black Friday, and I think that's what people are thinking about. Um, So I think uptake on those sales events is really phenomenal and it's great to see that we had such a strong result. And it's incredible how much online spend skyrocketed. So we'd spent $5.4 billion online over the past November and December, which is about 10% of the total shopping spend and a 59 increase uh, 59% increase from 2019 um you know that's years ahead of the growth that we've predicted so you know it's just absolutely amazing
0: yeah 100% and it's i've heard it described and, and Lou and I spoke about this uh, last episode of it being you know two or three years of expected growth in in two or three months right um but and what's even interesting you know you mentioned that 10% figure if you take food out of it, right? You take grocery out. It's more like 16, 17. It's edging up to 20%. It's such a massive chunk, right? And it mm. it says to me that, you know, pure play retail is just going to be such a, a challenging position to be in. If you don't have an online, some form of omnichannel offer, you're missing out really on a, on a huge potential share of that pie that is really growing strongly. Is that something that you're finding, you know, your members and the retailers you work with are looking for? Is is that growth of online and how do we leverage it uh, to their benefits?
1: Yeah, look, the National Retail Association, our position for the past few years has been that it's, you know, retail is turning omni-channel. There's never going to be the death of brick and mortar retail. People love the experience of going in and you know, selecting makeup shades and feeling clothes and smelling fragrances. Um, but the growth of e-commerce cannot be denied. You need to have an integrated omni-channel offering. And as I've said previously, you know, your shopper is no longer just shopping nine to five. They're on their phone at 10 o'clock at night making impulse purchases. So, to make the most out of your business, you should be at least trying to get online to take advantage of shoppers, you know, where, wherever they're shopping and whenever.
0: Absolutely. I think one of the interesting things that COVID brought was we saw you know, small businesses get into that space more so than ever before because, you know, if your store was closed and you only own a single store and that's your source of revenue, you had to. Yeah. Um, so hopefully there's some silver linings. Um uh, from that.
1: Yeah. I mean, by no means are we out of the woods, you know, with the recent lockdowns, you know, things are still pretty volatile. But it does bode well, the fact that we had such a strong Christmas period. Um, and, and we'll just have to see what happens until a vaccine is widely administered. You know, it's um, it's really difficult to call at the moment. Really
0: difficult. Um, I think your point around having contingency plans of you know what if it's worst case scenario when it's tonight I have to go into lockdown or if it's tomorrow two weeks, whatever it might be. Um, So looking ahead, uh, you know, in the very near future, we've got the Lunar New Year coming up uh, this Friday. We're recording this on on the Tuesday. Uh, You the NRA recently put a you know blog out around you know that that event how to leverage it, some good examples, some bad examples. You know, tell me about Lunar New Year, how important it is, you think, for retailers and, you know, why, why we should be looking at it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, look, it should come as no surprise, considering that we are a very multicultural society, um, that and with 1.4 million people of Chinese descent living in Australia, that the Lunar New Year is quite a popular holiday. In normal years, we would see an influx of Chinese tourists who would bring a $1.4 billion boost to the economy. Um, Unfortunately, we're not going to see that this year. However, as we've just discussed, with this amazing shift to online, there are ways to still capture that market um, and capture international audiences. So the Lunar New Year um, is the start of the Spring Festival. It's an absolutely wonderful holiday where you know, and we're entering the year of the ox as well, coming out of the year of the rat. Um, It's where everything turns red and it's all about lucky, auspicious products and messaging. So um, we recently did a blog on some uh, marketing campaigns to take advantage of the Lunar New Year, some that did very well and some that didn't. Um, I guess you can really condense it down to, knowing the market and not patronising them or just paying lip service, Um, you really have to understand, you know, some of the reasons behind the traditions and why things are lucky to do on New Year beyond just, you know, we're going to put a Chinese character on a scarf, but it's going to be upside down so it won't actually have the meaning that it's supposed to. Um, And it's a way as well to tell authentic stories and connect with your Asian consumer, which, you know, is very important in such a multicultural society. Yeah, I thought that
0: your point about authenticity was what I got looking through those examples on the blog as well. You know, you mentioned the, um, let's call them out, right? Like, so you mentioned <laughs> they're they're called out on the blog, so we can they call them are, out. Yes. yeah yeah. You, know, you mentioned the example where you've got Burberry who have sort of gone, well, we've got our standard scarf, let's slap a symbol on it yay, we're doing Lunar New Year and not understanding the history, the actual meaning, and so the symbol's upside down and it means something mm. completely different. You know, it, it's it, it's really a trap, as you say, that you can fall into if you're not doing it uh, authentically.
1: Yeah, and a big speed bump as well. You know, the Lunar New Year is a really good time for luxury brands. Um, they're great to give as gifts, but... The putting of the Chinese character on top of the Burberry scarf, um, scarf, I should say, actually um, sort of cheapened it in the eyes of the consumer and made it look like it was the knockoff. Which again is is not what you want to do, uh, especially when you've got a whole campaign rolled out. And the scarf was nine hundred and nineteen dollars, so it's not something that you, <laughs> not something that most people would drop a lot of money on. Um, One that I want to highlight is the campaign by Nike. Uh, What's really interesting for Lunar New Year is that it's not actually lucky to give shoes as a gift. Um, It's it's more about, you know, new year, new me, new clothes, new appliances, but shoes are not lucky to give. Um, So for Nike, they've actually done something really novel here, which is produce this amazing marketing campaign to advertise their shoes and it worked um, and it was really authentic and appealed to the culture and it it spoke to the traditions of gift-giving on Lunar New Year, which, you know, having watched it a few times now, I still really enjoy this aunt chasing after her niece trying to give her this envelope full of cash. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I think you're right. Like uh, You could see that that was a... Uh you know that they had understood the significance of the event what it means and then taken it to that step of of being part of it and being able to find some you know lighthearted even humorous moment as part of it not making fun of the event but it being part of you know this is something that people uh, will understand and identify with uh, but still being true to the roots of of that significant cultural events and but also fitting with their brand I think that's it's a it's a hard balance it could be a hard balance you know but mm. I think that idea of doing it authentically and and it not being an afterthought it being a core part of um, the campaign really seemed to be to me the big differentiator between some of the um, the flops and the flourishes uh, yeah. as you called them so I mean is is that your advice I guess if if retailers are planning to get involved, whether it's with Lunar New Year or other culturally significant events, is it really about doing it authentically and understanding what you're doing, not doing it as a slap-on, add-on kind of thing?
1: It it really needs to be a considered part of the strategy. There is a lot of benefit to appealing to these multicultural markets. Australia is so diverse. There are so many backgrounds, you know, um, it doesn't make sense to not have some consideration to these multicultural events and taking part in them and making this part of our population feel like they haven't been forgotten either. And it's really crucial to understand the reasons behind it and to incorporate that, you know, if the the holiday is about spending time with your family and a new year, you know, Make sure that your marketing is family oriented. Make sure that you have an understanding of the reasons for the holiday and the symbology. Um, you know, it, it can sound a little scary at the start, but I promise you, there's a lot of resources out there and a lot of campaigns that you can get uh, a bit of inspiration from.
0: Perfect. And so, look before I uh, before I let you go and get and get back to your your busy job. I mean, what what's ahead for you? Uh, And the NRA for this year, you know, what's, what's your outlook for the year? What are some big events or, you know, use this Mm -hmm. opportunity. What do you want to plug?
1: Oh, okay. Um, well, first up, in March, we have got a Women in E-Commerce panel that's going to be happening. It's virtual, so anyone can join across the country. Uh, we've got Sandra D from St. Frock, who's going to be a panelist, and um, Julie Mathers from Flora and Fauna. It's going to be a really good one. And um, we couldn't quite get everyone's schedules to align to have it on International Women's Day, but we do have it on the 10th of March, which is two days later. So that's going to be, a really good one um i've started work on the 2021 national retail awards which is very exciting news Um, that one is going to be fingers crossed on the gold coast this year so Mm. maybe we can all catch up in person and have a socially distance
0: (laughs) i was going to ask that are you back on the virtual hosting in front of a green screen or you think you might might be able to be in person
1: fingers crossed. I think we're going to be in person, fingers crossed. Um, So we're very excited for that one. And the entries will be opening at the end of March for all of the categories. So everyone keep an eye out for that one. And we're going to be continuing doing the excellent work that we do throughout the year. There's a lot happening in terms of industrial relations. It's been all over the news lately. Um, So we're going to continue working on that front and making sure that, you know, we provide the best outcome for retailers that we can. And um, as well as that, we're right now doing engagement in South Australia um, Actually, going to all of the shopping centres in Adelaide to talk about the single-use plastic ban that's coming into place from the first of March. So, it's been a busy start.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, big year ahead, no doubt. Um, mm. And and thank you for all the work that you do. Uh, you know, for the industry and and helping uh, our Australian retailers. It's always a pleasure chatting to you about it on Shopology. You are welcome anytime. Um, so hopefully, we'll get you back on a few more times uh, during the year. Thank you so much, Beck.
1: Thanks, Jason.